Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Welcome to the 272nd episode of the CodeCast Podcast. And as we head into 2023, I thought I would start our first episode of January 2023 and just talk to coding professionals out there, healthcare professionals alike. And I know you're probably thinking about your career goals, maybe a career change, or maybe just enhancing your current position uh, in coding. And I just want to talk to you about that because the one word that you have to keep in mind when it comes to the current work environment in coding is flexibility. Um, you need to have some creative th- creative thinking to expand your skill sets. You're always learning and keep that in mind. We're always learning, all of us. But also being flexible can lead to stability. And in today's work environment, stability is really key because it allows coding departments with employees who are being flexible and are able to cross aisles to assist in departments where there are uh, staffing shortages. Coding is one of those big departments where there's shortages. So is back office, so is health information management. Think about everything we're learning right now with the information blocking, with the No Surprises Act, with telehealth. I mean, there's so many um, issues now that isn't just pigeonholed to coding that it's just so important to be flexible. And when we talk about that, I was reading an article recently in the Journal of Health Information Management Association, so the American Health Information Management, which is AHIMA, and they were talking about, you know, coding professionals, we've all really been sectioned off into specialties and subspecialties that make up really the majority of your career path, especially in the larger hospitals or larger uh, physician practices that have 10 or more. And with this division, a lot of coders have really started to just focus on becoming experts in just one specialty or one diagnostic testing or uh, encounter or just something that is specific to their kind of uh, tunnel vision job. And even though that's great to be, you know, an expert in a certain approach or a certain coding specialty, one thing that the COVID pandemic has really triggered is the fact that people are tired. You know, they are, their turnover is at an all-time high. Um, People are just saying, I've had enough. And so when coding departments are still trying to work in this environment of having people that only do one or two or even three different tasks, it's really important that you get that full cross training, that you continue to uh, increase your coding knowledge and your skill set knowledge because this will not only give you some extra training that you don't necessarily have to pay for, but it also will help you explore maybe another aspect of healthcare that you didn't know you liked. Uh, One of the things that for me, for example, you know, I started as, as I hate to say just a coder, but I really just liked coding, coding, billing, and just really focusing on education and all of that. And then I decided, you know what, let me dabble a little bit in auditing. And then I ended up getting contacted by several payers, including some of the Mac payers. And for the last 25 years, I've also been doing audits for payers, also, obviously, for the 
on the professional side for the physicians and um, practices as well. But then auditing ended up kind of flipping what I was doing from coding at 80% and education, the rest of it to now auditing at 60% and coding and education around 40. And now I'm actually shifting even more because my biggest thing that I love to do is write. So, you know, writing books and writing, writing up scripts and, and I love making PowerPoints and educational materials. And I just like to think about things like, you know, as a coding professional, as now an auditing professional certified several times over, looking at what is medical necessity really? What is, you know, looking at denial prevention, you know, instead of attacking every, you know, appeal that comes in, um, looking at the billing implications of an encounter uh, or an admission, and just really being excited about researching that information to bring to somebody else and break it down in a more simplistic uh, format so that you can even learn and where you don't have to figure it out. And so when you are flexible and you're using concepts of creative thinking to expand your skill set, this can lead to you having some job security. It can lead to stability in, in your job sector, but it also shows how invaluable you can be as an employee um, moving forward in this climate of what's next. Also, for those of you that are listening and are trying to find your way when it comes to what are you going to do in, a, in the coding world, or you're trying to find a job, you just got certified, maybe you're a CPCA um, I know I get a lot of direct messages for people saying, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to find a job in coding. You need to be flexible in what you're looking for. Coding jobs, you, sometimes you don't always start there. Try in the medical records department. Start at the front desk. If you start at the front desk, you you will absolutely be a seasoned professional by the time you get um, to the billing department and the coding department. You know, start as a biller, a collector, even maybe back office. Doesn't take a lot of time to get maybe that extra certification as a medical assistant. And now you've got a little bit of terminology clinical piece that can help you as a coder. But sometimes just wanting to start in the one credential that you have isn't necessarily the best mindset to have to break into the healthcare profession. I see a lot of people trying to do that and getting frustrated and saying, okay, well now this isn't for me. And you don't even know if, if it is. Maybe you could be a telehealth facilitator. Maybe there is a healthcare job for you out there that incorporates coding, because coding is, I mean, obviously I'm a coder, that's what I like to do too. But it, it's not necessarily the entire scope of what a healthcare professional does. And so coding is one aspect. And it's it's just really important to, again, be flexible, open your eyes and ears to education. You know, one thing that you may not be aware of in my profession, and, and I guess in my kind of circle of what I do, not just educating, podcasting, auditing, etc. Um, I've noticed that I'm still getting questions for things where people haven't researched their information. Now, if you join my Coding Corner membership, that I do that a lot of that for you. But I would still expect certain coding and billing and healthcare professionals to do to do some due diligence on their own and find some answers. And then if you can't find them, you know, come to me, join my membership, and we'll we'll definitely help you out. But I still am getting a question. I'm trying to bill a consult to Medicare, and, and they don't pay it. Or um, I'm getting a denial from the payer, you know, from one of the uh, Blue Cross Blue Shields, and so they never pay that, and then they don't follow up. 
Uh, I was just recently working with an, an office that actually is part of my membership. And I love this practice, orthopedic practice, and they are so diligent in their appeals process. They don't shy away from a Medicare payer saying, we're not going to pay you or we've denied this. They continue to to step up and go to the different um, levels of appeals. You know, one perfect example that they had recently that I'm working with them with is that there was a um, a knee procedure done on the left knee. And then on the right knee, there was a debridement. Well, we know that the lysis of adhesions and debridements now are can be bundled within certain procedures. Well, chondroplasties too, so the shaving of their articular space. But they didn't look, the appeal process in the MAC carrier didn't look that it was two separate knees. They thought it was within that meniscectomy procedure. And so the first appeal, they denied it saying it wasn't the right modifier. Then the second one, they denied it saying not only again, even though we modified the modifier, um, that it was bundled into the first procedure. And it isn't because it's a opposite knee service. So we're now at the second and third appeal. But just seeing practices that have the coding staff that are willing to go through the frustration for their providers to, you know, find that um, that loophole that your your payers may not be aware of. That's probably a, a maybe a bad term to use. It's more making them re- making the payers accountable for what they're doing um, to block payment. You know, right now you are going to be so valuable your physician, if you understand the No Surprises Act, if you understand the good faith estimates, understand what patients have to be aware of before you submit a claim for their out-of-pocket, if you understand the um, the the information blocking, you know, the Cures Act, where you, if a patient has an outstanding balance, can you, and they request their medical records, can you tell them no? Absolutely not. So understanding what is compliant telehealth and what isn't, Uh, what is best practices versus what is a coverage policy. Those are two different things. And sometimes we do have to default to best practices just to keep, you know, everybody honest. But sometimes it's, is this really a, a rule or regulation? And being that healthcare professional, not just a coder, and that, and that is an appropriate word to, or phrase to say, just a coder is really important. It means that not only are you out there continuing to educate yourself, doing your due diligence and finding the answers for your providers, but also making yourself a valuable professional, not just in the coding realm, in the the billing space, in the the, uh, health information space, but if you ever wanted to break into consulting, let's say, or you wanted to be somebody that was considered an expert in the field, because you are making an effort to find um, those answers, whether it be from an authoritative source, um, whether it be joining my membership, whether it be, you know, um, reading the Federal Register and trying to make heads or tails of that, which I know is not easy. Uh, It's just important that you're flexible, that you don't just tunnel vision yourself to being a general surgery coder, to being a cardiology coder. There's more things involved in being a coder than just coding. And for I always see um, when I'm at a, a live conference or a seminar, which is hasn't been a lot lately, mostly has been virtual. I finally have my first one coming up in Arizona in uh, January. Actually, it'll be next week. I just realized that. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Um, but when I find people that a lot of times in, you know, in this space and in the live conferences, I noticed that some of the questions are very narrowly worded. They're just basically 
um, looking at one answer instead of trying to find the complete answer for the provider. You know, why is this denied? And then figuring out, well, where did it stem from? Is this going to happen in the future? Uh, how can we avoid the, the denial? So being proactive uh, is really important as well. But um, I hope that just gives you some food for thought as you move into 2023 and trying to figure out your your kind of your mindset, your goals uh, as a coder, as a biller, um, as a medical records professional, front office. It doesn't matter where you are in the healthcare space. Just try to make the most of it and be flexible. Be open to maybe picking up an extra job. Now that doesn't mean that you know now your employer sees that you can juggle five things. That um, it doesn't. It shouldn't warrant an increase in your salary. And you want to have a conversation about that as well. But it does mean that at least you have the skill set. Um, to learn it. And not everybody has the capacity. So if you are one of those people that that does have the capacity, you want to tap into that because it's going to really help you um, in the long run, find that job and um, just kind of break into the space that you want to be in. Okay, so I have a coding corner question, or I should say, yeah, it is a coding corner question today. And this comes from one of my dermatology clients. And I really like this question because it actually really had me focus on some language that you may not be aware of. And what this was is for patients that um, they're having a hard time trying to get paid for ATTs, and that is the um, tissue transfer uh, when you're dealing with certain derangements that require uh, debridements, and so it's, it's called an adjacent tissue transfer, tissue transfer or rearrangement. And it's usually described in an op report uh, during a MOHS procedure. And so the MOHS procedure. So when this is being done, a lot of times the payers want to deny this code saying that it's secondary. Um, they're not going to try, they're not going to pay for the 14041. And so I was looking at this recently from United Healthcare Denial. And there's their additional information. They actually quoted CPT and they were saying without additional incisions and it requires the adjacent the adjacent tissue, sort of tongue tied, uh, to be incised and carry over uh, closer to the wound and you know things like that. So they they pay for one part of the service, but they don't pay for the ATT. So as I was looking at the physician's documentation, because this was a question that came from one of my my clients, and they said, how do we get this? to be paid because they're looking for some precise verbiage on this and it's it's clear that the incisions were performed. So they're just like, what can we do on this Mohs procedure? So here's what I directed because I think this is where this can help you, not just in your coding world, but if you're somebody who's also in the billing department and doing um, appeals. So the payer here was being very nitpicky on what they were interpreting for ATTs, for these transfers. But because their policy seems to be um, very interpretive for their denial, um, what I would say is I would look at the language in CPT and try to stick to that language because that's what payers do. So if providers can be specific for this particular issue, let's say if they say the tissue incisions are specifically made to, and I'm air quoting, rearrange the specified area, then that actually comes right out of the CPT 
codebook language on, under the description for that code. So I try to ask providers to use the language in the code descriptor as close as possible. Again, since that's what payers are doing when they compare the note to the code, and rarely do they have a clinical understanding of what was billed at the first level of denial. And so just make sure that um, so for those of you in the, in the orthopedic space, or this, I should say in the um, dermatology space, because both is being done here. So basically some kind of language that says the flat sections of healthy skin and other tissues are transferred or transplanted to the area adjacent to the, to a skin defect that will speak to the procedure itself. So the other thing is somebody mentioned again about addendums. I'm going to repeat one of my, um, one of my podcasts that I did a couple of years ago on addendums, late entry, late entries and corrections, because remember you can't add an addendum after a service has already service has already been billed because that's considered altering the record for the payment. So you can't go back and then just change it. You can on an appeal, you can explain what you said in the report that may have not have been clear, but you don't want to change a report once you're, it was denied and now you're saying, well, I'm going to go back and add this. You can't do that. So just for this particular coding question, you just want to make sure that when you're talking about whether it be dermatology, general surgery, um, orthopedic, cardiology, try to get as specific as you can in your physician's verbiage, talk to them about that, that speaks to the procedure that they can also include in their report. That way, when the payer is looking at it side by side, they know what they're looking at. Okay, so when, you know, I know in cardiology, doctors will say things that you're just trying to look everywhere for this information because it doesn't match the code. But when they actually can match the code, so an interventional procedure, stenting placement, including and post angioplasty was done at the left anterior descending artery, stuff like that. So it has to match the code and then you won't have any problem, or at least you'll have less problem with denials. Denials are just a part of life. So that's going to happen no matter what, but you want to be able to um, work through some of those denials in a way that the payer uh, can understand. Okay, so somebody asked me that I haven't been updating my personal tidbits lately. I don't know if you guys are going to like this one or not, but you're going to be like, oh, Terry, really? So after Christmas, one of the things with me, and I, this is just me, once Christmas is over, I'm kind of done with it, meaning that I want no Christmas cookies, no tinsel, no, we don't have tinsel, but no, I don't want Christmas music. I don't want the Christmas tree up. I want it gone. <laughs> the only thing I, I'll tolerate is my outside lights because I have them professionally put up and then we'll unplug them right after um, New Year's and then they can come get them anytime they want since we don't have a, a housing association. Um, but they, they also include taking them down. But I have a friend, shout out to Sherry, who actually comes over um, and usually the first week of December and she'll pull down all my decorations and everything and she'll decorate my my house for me. And I just come out of my, my home office and I'm at poof, it's Christmas. And then she comes over usually the second or third day after Christmas, as soon as she can. And then she will de-decorate me. We actually put it on the calendar and she gets, she doesn't, bother me at all. I'm in my own office and I come out and everything is put away. It's gone. 
It's just done. And I can't tell her how much I appreciate that. Yes, I give her, I throw a little kind of money, Starbucks money too at her. Um, and I know she was going on vacation and could have used a little bit of incentive there. So, um, but she, she's happy to do it. And, and she lives an hour away from me. She's like, no, I'm coming out. This is my Zen. I, I love doing it. I know where everything is in your garage. So we're all good. But that's, that's something I do. So once it's over, it's over for me. I'm, I am ready to have it not in my house. Maybe that's a little bah humbug. I don't mean it to be. It's it's just, it's just me. So anyway, I don't know how you guys are about that. But um, once everybody leaves and I'm, my mindset is back to work and, and back to trying to focus on things that have nothing to do with the holiday, um, then I want it, I want it out of my house. So um, that's who I am. But anyway, it'd be interesting how long you live it up, leave it up. I was talking to my daughter who one of her Christmas gifts was getting her this, the Amazon um, kind of, it's not cloth box, but it's a fabric box that puts all your ornaments in and everything and it has drawers in it. And she was so happy to get it. And she's a teacher. So I know she's off this week, and our last week, and she was just like, well, we're going to do it soon. And I'm just like, okay, I can't talk to you right now, you need to get that done. So anyway, everyone, Happy New Year. I'm really excited for what 2023 holds on to. And remember that December, I'm sorry, January 11th, our uh, public health emergency was supposed to end. I anticipate it's going to be extended one more time. I will let you know in the next episode of the podcast, um, but just keep an eye on that. All right, make it a great day. Make it a great rest of your week. And thank you for listening to the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing, and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www dot terry f-l-e-t-c-h-e-r dot net podcast producer joe kuzma music producer assassin music <laughs>